Welcome to the Church's Changing Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Estock, and today I have the pleasure to welcome Ian Rutherford all the way from Manchester, England, where he is the pastor of Central Hall Church in the center of the city. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about Central Halls. They were built between 1886 and 1945, and they attracted thousands of people to do really interesting things. Not necessarily worship, although worship was a key part of it, but they showed films, they had concerts, they had comedy shows, and they interspersed all of this with hymns and prayers. Sounds a little strategic and conspiratorial, if you ask me. Now, what has happened to these central halls since they were built way back then? Well, we could say that the history hasn't been so nice or good, but the central hall in Manchester still stands with an incredible gifted leader in Ian Rutherford. And uh, when I went to visit him just a few months ago, what I discovered is that he has been able to create a ministry where he is the priest in community. So Ian, welcome to Church's Changing Podcast. I can't wait for people to hear about all the awesome things that are happening out of Central Hall and what that allows you to do as a priest in community. Well, thank you so much, Beth. It's wonderful to be here on this podcast and to speak to you from Manchester in England. Sometimes we have a question mark of which is the first city in England. Is it London? Is it Birmingham? Is it Manchester? We're quite happy for London and Birmingham to have that argument. We know who the first city is, is Manchester. <laughs> but right in the centre of that place, uh, all those years ago, they built Central Hall. They built it as an open, accessible space where everyone could feel welcome, where it wouldn't look like a church, but inside there would be such hospitality and there would be the ability for people to, to work together and to unite together, really, for some of the social issues that were within that city on those days. So in a sense, all I'm doing and my colleagues are doing is going back to those charisms from those early days and saying, we will be working like that now, working in the centre of the city with a heart for the city as a sort of hub for social justice, as a centre for mission and service, and to see many, many organisations find their home within Central Hall and work from there in a co-working space into the city and into the region beyond it. And it's great fun. Now, if I were to tell somebody what it looks like to approach the Central Hall in Manchester, what would they see on the outside of the building? And how big is this building? Well, it's a huge space. It has a series of shops on the ground floor, which are the retail units, which basically commercially produce the money that enables us to, to found this, this ministry and this mission. So it looks as if it's like a shopping parade. But in the middle of it, there's a very large door which opens to you as you walk towards it. That was the design that we've always had at Central Hall, where the, the, the doors would always open inwards so people could feel welcome there. And then when you go inside, it's a huge space. 
If you've ever watched Doctor Who, you'll know that the TARDIS is a place where you go through a door. It seems like a police box, but when you get inside, it's a huge space. That's exactly what it's like in Central Hall, because we have about 26 rooms. We have a large theatre space. We're able to show films and we can have music performances still in Central Hall. But it's a real, really lively hub for everyone to come and use. So you talk about this lively hub. Give us a flavor of how many nonprofit organizations or organizations use or call Central Hall their home? Well, we've got a whole series of partners that work with us. Some of them I'll just mention now. One of them works with ex-prisoners and provides them with um, training for hospitality and catering and runs our cafe space. Another one works with those who are migrants seeking asylum. We call it Migrants Supporting Migrants. People with lived experience are helping others. We then have those who are working with people who have been affected by gender violence, safety for sisters. We have women asylum seekers together. We have a youth empowerment charity called Charisma. It just goes on. LifeShare comes and helps us with working with those who are experiencing homelessness. And Piecemeal operate a community kitchen to make meals for those that are in need. We also have a Befrienders service that operates there for folks who are finding things tough at the moment. And then we have Reboot, which is there to help people get back on their feet. So it's a really strong sense of everybody working in a partnership, co-working space. And there are many more people that want to come and work in Central Hall alongside us. And how many worshipping communities call Central Hall their home? Well, when, we, when you came to see us, uh, there were eight. There are now ten. Wow. And so on a Saturday and on a Sunday, we have uh, missional communities, congregations and church plants that are coming onto our site in order to have worship going on in those spaces. When you go around the outside of the building, especially in the summer, all of the windows are open. So you have this cacophony of sound. It's like being in heaven because you can just hear all of the drums and you can hear all of the amazing singing that comes out. And people will look up to say, what on earth is going on in that building? That's just us worshipping the Lord with all different tongues because we are from different nationalities within those church groups and different ages, very intergenerational. My own congregation is uh, Swahili-speaking, uh, mainly c- coming from, from Africa, and we have a very lively Methodist congregation in Central Hall. But not all of the uh, congregations in Central Hall are Methodist. So share a little bit about the theological flavor of the spread of what's represented there. It's right across the spectrum in terms of church personship. And that, I think, is the joy of it, because we're finding a unity between us. And there's something about unity. You know, we know the scripture says that where we dwell together in unity, there the Lord commands a blessing. And so although we may, as John Wesley said, not agree on everything, but yet our hearts are for the Lord. And so therefore we give each other our hands and we worship the Lord together in that space. And I remember you sharing with me um, some of the churches that might not have a sense of a social justice component since they began worshiping there and started rubbing 
elbows with other flavors of uh, Christianity that have that missional social justice component, interesting things have started to happen. Can you share a story about that? Well, when you think about it, there are so many hundreds of people that are coming into Central Hall on a Sunday. They are all now seeing the opportunities that they have to volunteer into some of the organizations that are that are working with us. Um, and so even though they maybe just came thinking they would be worshiping, they are now serving in some of those places. I mean, obviously, as a Methodist minister, our DNA is those three parts, the sense of discipleship and the striving for holiness, the sense of the zeal for evangelism, but also the passion for social justice. And I guess when they come into contact with us in that space, those are the things that we will concentrate our our thoughts upon. And people are picking that up. There's sort of good infection going on in relation (laughs) to those things. So you have all this goodness happening at Central Hall. Tell us a little bit of why Central Hall in Manchester has been able to survive when others have been sold in our condominiums or our theaters or nightclubs, but yet this one stands as a ministry center. I think that we've managed to find that balance between commercial and mission. And so therefore, as I mentioned earlier, we have a whole series of units that are paying us a commercial rent for being able to have a retail presence in the city centre. And that gives us the foundation to be able then to run our ministry. But every person that comes in to take a room or to hire a space will actually be paying us a modest amount of money to do that. And that starts to build up too. There are also grants that are coming into our into our space now because of the work that we're doing in relation to the civic authorities and the work that I'm leading on, for instance, in relation to homelessness and food security. That in itself gives us essentially a profit margin that enables us to use that excess of profit to be able to pay my stipend, to pay my colleague's stipend, and to just keep the work going on. And so there is a sustainability there because of the balance between commercial and mission. If it's just commercial, that would be a mistake. If it was just mission, it wouldn't survive. There's something about there being a balance between the two. And it requires a bit of social entrepreneurship to be able to keep this thing moving. So we've just employed a stakeholder and communications manager who is actually going to be able to to work fully to ensure we get even more people using our spaces in a co-working way and receiving therefore more income so we can do more mission. You've got to balance the commercial and the mission together. It's exactly what our founding fathers did and we're just continuing in that approach. And this, to me, is where the magic starts to happen. Because as I walked with you and you showed me your beloved city and where the Central Hall is located, and as we walked and you had your dog collar on, you know, you mentioned that people come up to you and say, "Uh, Pastor, will you pray for me? And it's like Ian Rutherford owns this city when he walks down the street. And you literally are the priest in community. And one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you is because I think this is such an incredible new model 
for ministry in the 21st century, that that combination of the commercial and the nonprofit underneath in, in the same facility really frees you up to actually spend probably 90% of your time in community, building connection, agitating for justice. And it's like you're the go-to guy that brings everybody together even outside of the building. Well, I think that's the interesting thing because so far in the podcast, we've concentrated on what's happening inside the building. And that's a great story. But it does seem to me that my movement is actually more outside the building than it is inside. Because, you see, I think that we can have the encounter and we can have the encouragement in that space, but it's only so we can then engage and enact the mission of God outside in the community. Because I'm called not to be the pastor of a church, but to be the pastor in the city. And so from that point of view, I see my role as being able to be resourced by God in the space to then go out as a guest into the city. I think for so long, as as Christian leaders, we've been very, very good at being the host. And it gives us a certain power dynamic, gives us a certain control position. I much prefer to minister as guest. So going into the shops and the businesses and the restaurants around in the northern quarter where we are in Manchester, going into the civic spaces, speaking to the mayor of Greater Manchester, speaking to the leader of the, the council, speaking to those who are involved in health, those who are involved in, in the police, in law and order. Because we have got so many social issues within Greater Manchester that we as the church need to be contributing to. And so one of the things that we've seen is that we've been used by the civic authorities to almost be the, the folks that will convene people together into a cross-sector, whole-society approach on some of those issues. And we formed a whole lot of action networks on things like homelessness and climate and food security. So as faith sector people, we're there in the heart of it, but we're bringing every other sector you can think of into the conversation to work together on a shared mission so that we can see change. And I love the way that you talked about agitating for justice, because you see, that's our distinctive contribution into this field. You know, we're going to be there to do some serving, but we're also going to be there to talk about the ethical position, to talk about what is righteous, to talk about what is needed to do the right thing, as Martin Luther King would say. So from that point of view, we are continuing that outside of Central Hall, not asking people to come into us, but going out to where everybody else is and just taking part in this movement for change, movement for recovery. It's almost uh, the image that I have is of breathing. So Central Hall breathes in all these beautiful nonprofit groups that share space and is learning how to work cooperatively together. And then on the exhale, sends you out into the city to do that same thing. You know, it's like the, the breath of the Holy Spirit breathing in and then breathing you out. But it's the same kind of approach of, of you know, being that community organizer, both within and without. Yeah, I think we even had that experience this week, Beth. Um, we held our Homelessness Action Network in the center of Central Hall 
uh, this week. So people were coming from all over Greater Manchester. So it's a very big 10 borough conurbation. And people were coming into that space to just encourage each other because we're all working in the field of uh, reducing homelessness. But it's a lonely place to be sometimes. Mm -hmm. So to come into that space, and as you say, just to breathe in a bit and just to encourage each other, the wonderful experience of then all leaving to then go back to our various places and work together was a profound thing. And it was almost like church because we were actually coming together just to receive, if you like, a spiritual renewal so we could then go into some of that harder work that we're all going to. And people are still talking about what a great experience it was to be in that space. The mayor of Greater Manchester came to speak to us uh, for a bit about what he felt were our priorities. And again, he, he said to me he felt very strengthened by that conversation that we all had together because we are working in unity. Going back to that point, you see, it's not just about unity in the faith. It's about unity of action because that's when things really start to move, when people can't, can't tell what sector we belong to because we're all working so strongly together. So um, how many years have you been the priest in community at Central Hall, Manchester? So I came on Ash Wednesday in 2017, just prior to a big atrocity that happened in Manchester where Ariana Grande was t taking a, um, a concert in our, our arena and there was a bomb which killed 22 concert goers. It was a huge tragedy for, for the city. It was only a few weeks into my appointment and I can remember what it felt like to be in that space. But you see, we all came together in solidarity and in strength together. I went to all of the shops and businesses in the Northern Quarter just to check in with people to make sure everybody was okay. And people remember that even today, that I was the one that turned up and, and just showed up and said, how are you doing? Um, and it still gives us the chance to be, to be together. So from that point of view, there is something very special about the way that things have developed in those five years since. When it came to the question about whether I would stay, I really felt that it was important to continue the work, to develop it even further. So I'm now in my second term of my appointment and just loving the new people that are coming to join um, the situation at Central Hall. So share with us a little bit about what it was like when you first came to Central Hall and what has happened since in terms of this kind of cross-pollinization and unity and co-working. Well, there was always, even from the very beginning, that sense that this was going to be a hub for social justice. One of my predecessors, Samuel Collier, was a renowned entrepreneur before we knew what that word was. And he would be giving micro-grants to young people to do some work uh, in their own industries. He would be looking after those who were finding it difficult with, um, with maybe alcohol addiction. There was a lot of stuff that he did and started, which then led to many thousands of people coming to faith. Um, he was an incredible character. And, and so there's a sense in which, as I mentioned earlier, it's about continuing that charism into this particular time for the issues that we have in our present age because that's the, that's, the th that, that's the thing. But it's about the connections that we make and I believe that God just brings the right people together for the right moment. 
And so the board that we have at Central Hall is a really brilliant spectrum of folks who are committed to this work, and they've come together for this purpose. Those who are on the staff at Central Hall are in the right place at the right time to just work in a complimentary way. And we just can't believe how many emails we're getting from people to say, we'd love to come and do our event at Central Hall. We'd love to be based where you are because there's something going on in that space. And it is, it becomes a very infectious situation. That's the only word that I can use about it. When people are making the approaches without us having to go to them, saying we want to be part of all of this, because it is, in my view, people coming together to make the difference. When I think about um, so many of our colleagues in ministry uh, about this real uh, push-pull between caring for the parishioners that attend worship and focusing our energy on what's happening in the building, but yet this same kind of deep yearning to be engaged in what's happening outside the building. And seeing you, because of how the funding is working, that you can spend a majority of your time in that engagement outside of the building, building connection, agitating for justice. Do you have any words of wisdom for somebody that's listening to this podcast now that might feel that that push and pull? Yeah, I mean, I I would look at it positively, Beth, and say that, you know, it's important in any in any operation that, that we're in for God that we do the both and the and. It's not either or. You know, there has to be the pastoral care, but there has to also be that sort of outreach, the moving into other spaces and seeing those as being part of the kingdom too. And so I would just be saying to folks, get the balance between those things if you can. And try and find that freedom to manoeuvre. I mean, I feel really blessed that that I've got a space that that enables me to to really have maximum freedom, you know, without without too many sort of constraints. And I think that's the bit that maybe in a national conversation we need to be asking the question: Are we putting too many constraints on our ministers in terms of what they have to do bureaucratically, almost? Um, mm-hmm. Can we not maybe have some of our lay folks taking over some of those tasks to enable there to be a freedom to serve? I mean, I feel very, very free to, to operate. And that's probably the bit that I'd be saying, let's, let's try and see what we can do about that. And uh, talking to those same um, colleagues that we have, what would be your suggestion as their first step outside the building? What, what would be the first connection that you would invite them to make? Well, for me, in, in, our, in our sort of English language, it's the, it's the local councillors. It's those who are in the, in the ward or the district um, that, we, that we have who are serving for the local civic authority. So that would be our local politicians um, that are the, the commissioners and the mayors and the police departments and fire departments, those kinds of people? Those, those are the ones that, that I concentrate my efforts on. Mm-hmm. And it's about relationship every single time. It's not going to them for what we can get from them. It's going to them to say, this is what we think we can contribute. 
Um, you know, I've always taught in civic engagement that you've got to go with a big offer before you go with a big ask. If we're not careful, we're just criticising and we're just complaining and we're just asking for, for money. That's not what we do. We go saying, you know, we have got a whole set of folks who are keen to do whatever they can for this place to be shaped in the right way, for this place to be transformed into a just place, for this place to recover from COVID. If we're going to have that sort of conversation, we have to back it up with an offer of contribution. And I suppose that's the bit that I organise about to try and see whether we can get those who are prepared to work in homelessness, prepared to work in food security, etc., etc., because of their motivation as, as believers to do so, alongside a whole set of other people. And that's where the, the magic happens, if I can put it that way, mm-hmm. because the opportunities to witness to God's love in all of those working together is fantastic. So, you know, you know, I think this idea that you separate evangelism from social justice is just ridiculous because one of the best ways to evangelize is to be engaged in social justice because people are open to then talk about what motivates you to be alongside them in those pieces of work. And that's what I feel is happening an awful lot within, within Greater Manchester now. And it also provides such a powerful leverage point when it comes time to agitate in those very sectors for justice, when you have built such deep connection with those very people. And I think there's something about organizing along with other, other faiths, something about organizing with trade unions, with schools, with universities. So I belong to an organization called Citizens UK. And that's one of the, the primary community organizing organizations in, in the UK. And that, that makes the point that when you go and speak to a civic leader, you're not just going as one organization, you're going as a collective. And you're going with this wide coalition of citizens, with many people in the member institutions. And the, the power of that conversation is really strong. And churches, particularly Methodist churches, are very engaged in Citizens UK. And that means that we're playing our part in a much broader coalition of community organizing and and justice agitation. That's beautiful. So Ian, as you look out into the next six months to a year, what is your edge? What what's what's this what's the next thing for you and your ministry? Well, I've just got this real excitement, I think, about the prospect of making our premises even even better in terms of maybe the way that we can organise music and theatre productions and film situations. You know, you, you mentioned that in the introduction, that that's what they were doing in the 1800s and the 1900s. And so, you know, we, we want to make sure that when we do that now in 2022, it's of the highest quality. So we're going to do something about our, our main space to make it even better than it is now. Uh, and attract even more people to come and be part of what we're about. You know, th- th- there's there's also a fantastic space that we're going to use as our co-working area, where people are, when they come into the space, say, we'd love to do an event here, we'd love to do a concert here, we'd love to do a get-together here. And we're going to be able to, what we call a mosaic of organisations and, and events that will take place in that space, 
And we're just massively excited about the potential of all of that. So when I, again, think about your ministry and your space and think beyond that to how could this be a model in the 21st century for engagement in city centers, as well as for releasing pastors to be priests in community. It's something to to actually wonder about and and allow ourselves to think like, what, what would it be if we created central halls again? What would that look like? I mean, it's interesting you should say that because one of the most amazing things that's happening in, in the UK at the moment is people are having the the courage to take a shop unit, for instance, within some of our towns and cities and just saying that's a space we're going to make available to the community and we're going to make it an open space. That's the key thing for me. It hasn't got to be run by us and organised by us to the nth degree. There has to be an openness to it because God will unfold what he will unfold in those places. We just have to be there and faithful. And this idea that we're going to run everything, that's that host point again. Why can't we just be a guest sometimes and just be alongside folks? Because that's what I think we're really called to be, those who walk alongside others in in life. Um, and that's the bit where, I mean, you mentioned priest and community. I talk about myself as a friar, which is that old <laughs> idea of the monk that goes out into the into the centres and just you know brings all the bring brings all the the um, the sort of the uh, what's the word the strength into those spaces, but as a guest, not as a host. That's where I think we need to be. Mm, that's so beautiful, Ian. I love that uh, imagery. I think that we're kind of coming to a close right now. Ian, thank you so much for sharing a little sliver of the beauty of your ministry. If people want to find out more about what's happening at Central Hall and uh, a little bit more about your ministry, where would they look? So if you go to www.centralhallmcr.org.uk, you'll be able to join our mailing list and we'll be able to send you some mails about what's going on. Thank you, Ian. And I'll make sure to put that in our show notes as well. And I'd like to ask you to share with us a blessing for people that are listening to this podcast that might be encouraged by the vision of Central Hall Ministry and civic engagement in the larger community. Well, I'd be pleased. I'd be pleased to do that. Lord, we thank you that every inch of our cities belongs to you. And we pray that as we enter those spaces, the civic spaces, the spaces of difficulty, the spaces of danger, that, Lord, that you would be protecting us, uh, giving us all of the energy that we need, all of the encouragement that we need to minister for you as guests in those spaces. And I pray, Lord, for all those who are involved in city centres and town centres, that, Lord, that you would just give us the ability to, to dream and to be courageous and to be open to whatever it is that you bring into our path. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to balance commercial with mission 
and you'd help us, Lord, to move into those spaces that maybe we've been fearful to go into before, the civic authorities and of the public sector questions. Lord, we go asking for your inspiration and for your wisdom as we enter those spaces on your behalf. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ian. Church is Changing Podcast is a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Music is by Sanjay Singh. Visit all our podcasts at podcast.umcdiscipleship.org.